Logical Progression, Year 3, Lesson 3. Other type of silence. Now is, yani, you know, this type of noise and salam dua and a bit of, that's okay. So I was just going to say, this dua, subhanAllah, Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'atahu sahla. There is no ease except that which you make easy. A few minutes ago, we didn't have a computer, we didn't have a webcam, we didn't have a connection, we didn't have any battery. And uh, alhamdulillah, we have all of it now running off an incredible, incredible uh, combination of battery pack. And um, something which I'm very glad to say, looking straight in the eye of Naveed in the front uh, row there, uh, not a lame Android, but an amazing iPhone 6 Plus, which is powering this entire lesson. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. <laughs> uh, so I think it's, it's about time that we can say that International Sign for Najasa has been removed from the Apple brand and moved squarely into that little Android bakwas, yeah? Uh, oh, is it, is it still livable? I don't know. It's still Liverpool, sah? Yeah, okay. We, <laughs> we can't change the originals. Right, okay. So, guys, um, let's uh, take this lesson from the top, inshallah. Um, and then we can uh, hopefully get some time for some Q&A as well uh, afterwards. Um, and um, today's lesson actually is quite interesting with respect to um, one. We're going to go into a lot of detail into the issue of sleep. Anyway, let's have a look. So, we are on... What did we end with last week? The second point, right? Um, that in English, what is it, uh, Mesa? What is it? Any amount of urine or feces, or large amounts of filth, exits from other parts of the body. Oh, kathiran najasan ghayrahuma. Yep. So, um, and then the next line. So the line before that. So the from the invalidators of wudu are any small or uh, just say it again. Any, any, amount of urine or any amount of urine or feces, which we've done, or large amounts of filth, which exits from any other part of the body. That is what we need to finish, okay? Any large amounts of filth which exits from any other part of the body. And what did we um, see uh, uh, last week? We saw that from the madhab, the Hanbali madhab in the school of the Hanbali school, that they said that only that which is a lot will... Will, it will invalidate the wudu. So basically they're saying a small amount here and there is no problem. We're not talking now feces or, or anything else. We're talking, we're not talking feces and urine. We're talking about any other najasa, okay? So whatever it is, like vomit, for example, or like uh, bleeding, if you consider blood to be najas, which we're going to come to later. They're saying that if it's a large amount of that that comes out of any other part of the body, any other orifice, whether you uh, have a, a huge nosebleed, whether you vomit blood, whether you vomit bile, whether you vomit food, anything that happens like that. If you, if you were to bleed through your ear, for example, and so on and so forth. And what did they uh, base this uh, evidence upon? They gave two evidences. The first one that they mentioned was that the Prophet ﷺ, he in this hadith, in the hadith noted by Imam Abu Dawood, which has a not bad chain, okay, according to, according to Ibn Manda and Ibn Hajar, which we talked about last week, all right, this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he was sick, he vomited, and so he stopped his fast, he broke his fast, basically, for Aftar, he broke his fast, and then he made wudu. He made wudu. Now that's the hadith. Allah in the Quran says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْبَةٌ حَسَنًا And indeed in the Prophet, in the, indeed in the Messenger of Allah, you have the most perfect example. Therefore the idea is that uh, if the Prophet does something, then it's the most perfect example for you to emulate, okay? That's the evidence which without even us starting, we should know is a very weak evidence, okay? Which we're going to come to and discuss in a second, all right? Um, not a weak evidence of following the sunnah, but a weak evidence for insisting that an action of the Prophet ﷺ, just because we should follow him becomes an obligation upon the people. That's the, that's the weakness. We're going to, I'm going to explain this point in a second. The second reason they said that anything which comes out of the rest of the body um, breaks the wudu, is because they said that anything which comes out of a body is coming out because it's like seen as an excess. 
the body is basically getting rid of it. It's like, you know, it's an excess waste product. And so if you are sick, then it's normally because it's because you've eaten too much or the food's messed up or it's dirty anyway and it's coming out. All right. So there's it's like a an, an akal kind of argument, a logical kind of argument that's being used. All right. Um, so that's what we said. That's what we said yesterday. That's what we said last week. We then this is the Hamli Madhab. We then said that according to the uh, according to Imam Shafi'i, Wadahaba Shafi'iyu, Wal Fuqaha Sabah, and that was the point of last week's lesson, right? That it was the seven fuqaha of Medina, if anyone saw it, the seven big superstars, the magnificent seven of Medina. These uh, scholars, they agreed on a different position. First of all, let's remind ourselves of who the seven fuqaha are. Fuqaha al-Sab'a, they are uh, Ubaidullah ibn Abdullah ibn Utbah ibn Mas'ud. Okay, and then uh, if you haven't written it down, don't worry, it will be produced and it will be provided in the resources. And Urwa ibn Zubair, the son of Zubair ibn Awam, the companion. And Qasim ibn Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr al-Siddiq, that's the third. And Sa'id ibn Musayyib is the fourth. And Abu Bakr ibn al-Harith, okay, Abdul Rahman ibn al-Harith. And then Asfaib and Sulaiman ibn Yasar is six. And Khalid ibn Zayd ibn Thabit is the seven. These are the great, big, magnificent seven that we call in the, in the fiqh. Now, these scholars, along with Imam al-Shafi'i, what did they agree upon? They agreed that anything, this is now page 274, if you're looking at the Mumtia text, okay? They said that anything which comes out, anything which comes out of the body, other than the two orifices, referring to the front and the back passage, okay? Anything from anywhere does not break the wudu. Does not break the wudu, okay? If it's a small amount or a large amount, Unless it is feces or urine. And I don't even know if that's possible because I don't have my doctors in front of me, okay? But if someone was, I know we say people talk, you know, star, 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 okay? But I don't know whether you can actually physically talk, star, 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 star. You get what I'm saying, yeah? Okay? <laughs> the nice way of saying verbal diarrhea, okay? Verbal diarrhea. I don't know whether you can actually physically have diarrhea out your mouth. I don't know. I know we've had a lot of, you know, you know, people speak diarrhea, okay, but it's, it's, uh, that's, you know, I don't know if that's possible, but maybe it is possible, okay, maybe it is possible. Um, now, now, the, the key here is this, okay, that according to this opinion, according to this opinion, therefore, going back to the argument of the ostomy, okay, if we talk about ostomy, a person has a coleostomy, an ostomy, and so on and so forth, this is obviously something other than the two sabils, right? The two part, passage, the front passage and back passage. So if if the feces was to come out of that, what would happen? <coughs> it, would, it would be broken because that's what they've said. They've said that anything which comes out from any part of the body other than feces and urine. Okay. So if a person has an so let's go through a few scenarios. Uh, let's make them up as we go along. Someone who is sick. Vomiting through his mouth, yeah, and his nose, like a real hard case one. Have you, ever, have you ever ever vomited through your nose, by the way? How bad is that? Oh my God, it is out of billahi min shaitan rajim. You know, that's gotta be that's gotta be a male's equivalent to to, to labour, surely. No, no, it's not. Okay, no. <laughs> men are always trying to find some kind of way to black yani that is only. It's not just women that have a painful life. We'll say, yeah, but we've been sick through our nose as well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, I have been sick through my nose. Oh, the billahi minish. It is a fitna that is, man. That is like burning. Like you're just trying to just, you know. I was so desperate, I tried to squirt milk up my nose to, to sort it out. The water wasn't doing the trick. So I thought, okay, milk has got to be the dancer. And that didn't work either. But anyway, so a person is sick, yeah, out of his nose or his mouth. It will not break his bottle. Why? Because it's not feces. Simple rule. Is that, that, that's it. Um, a person um, comes. Out, uh, he has an ostomy. Okay. He has a bag, and out of the bag comes bile or food or vomit. Okay. Or anything. What's the ruling? Does not break the wobble. because it's yes, it's out of the other two, but it's not feces. Whatever. Now a person is incontinent. Okay. According to the madhab, a person. Actually, if you get incontinent, let's say that his normal feces comes out of his ostomy bag, okay, into his ostomy bag, that breaks the wudu. If this person 
uh, is incontinent, then we're into a whole different ballgame. It breaks the wall ball, but because it's an uncontrollable situation, we're going to have to deal with it in a in a, in a thingy way. I think those who are part of the uh, the uh, prophetic guidance Facebook, if you're part of the Facebook, then you will have seen uh, this week that uh, uh, the 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 PG team they posted the article I was talking about. You know the article about uh, incontinence and the ruling of incontinence and how we deal with that. And I think you need to review that. It's a very it's a lot of detail, but we're going to come to it later, inshallah. We're going to come to that later. Okay. So the opinion that I just mentioned, I think is very clear, right? Any any questions on that opinion? This position is a, is a second statement within the madhab as well. So it's not the chosen position of the humbly madhab, but it is what we call a riwayah. It is a, it is a found opinion in the madhab. Regardless, is there also the opinion of Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah? It is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah, and he chose this position based upon two basic principles, which are very similar, a very small difference between them. The first base, the first evidence that he says is that the basic status quo, the asal, okay, the asal is uh, uh, that one does not break the wudu, okay, that one is in a normative state. Once one enters into the wudu, that's how he's remaining, that the wudu remains, that it's not being broken by something. It needs to be proven. And that leads on to the, and that, that if you need, you need to understand what that actually means. If I am inside the house, I am inside the house until someone proves to me I'm outside the house. It doesn't matter whether I'm on the boundaries or the edges, if I'm looking out the window, stick my head out the window, whatever, whatnot, until someone can actually define that I have gone outside the house, then I will remain inside. So this is what it means that, uh, that when something remains upon is asal until we have a, 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 pro a proper evidence that I'm not on the asal anymore, not on that status quo anymore. So that's the first evidence. The second evidence is that purity or state of purity is established with a legal evidence. It is established with a legal evidence. So once we have actually gone and now become pure, we've made wudu, we've entered into this state, then the only thing that can take us out is another legal evidence. And what the Sheikh says, and he makes a point here, he goes, all of us are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to the book of Allah and his messenger. We do an action according to the rules. We enter into wudu according to the rules. And we will not, we cannot ourselves, just because we think something is wrong or because it doesn't sound right, make a person leave his state of wudu Without, yani, uh, so, without something clear from Allah and His Messenger. Now, if you go back to what we started this chapter off with three weeks ago, we said that the, the, the invalidators, of, uh, invalidators of wudu are in two categories. That which is absolutely clear from the Book of Allah and His Messenger, and then that which is the yani, uh, area of ishtihad. People are making some kind of analogy, and so on and so forth. Okay? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we don't need any food today yet, inshallah. No, no problem. We can wait. No one's going to no one's gonna get uh, hungry. You're not going to get hungry. But as you can wait, yeah? Huh? Um, by the way, I am, I am hungry. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat big. But we're going to eat big after, you know what I'm saying, yeah? Okay. So, um, so as, for the, um, as for the hadith, you might say, what about the hadith that they mentioned? The hadith that was mentioned by the uh, other side. What was the, mention, the hadith they said? Excellent. So he vomited. He broke his fast. And then he made his wudu again. So, first of all, we said that this hadith was considered authentic by some scholars. Sheikh Uthameen is making a point. A number of scholars consider this hadith weak. So once you make this hadith weak, then you take this evidence out of it. Okay? You take this evidence out. That's the first response to that hadith. Because that's the, the big thing in the way, you know? Because the hadith makes it clear that he, was, he vomited and he made wudu again. So hold on. That seems to suggest that vomiting breaks wudu. That's their, that's their, that's their argument. Our argument is, well, hold on, first of all, that evidence isn't authentic, okay? And there's a good argument for that. There's a good argument in this hadith that it's not uh, authentic. The second point, um, a, a second argument against this hadith is that this hadith is an action. And they said very carefully, we had this discussion last year in, 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 in the fiqh, that a person themselves can uh, look at the sunnah and determine very clearly a priority. When the Prophet does an action and when the Prophet makes a statement, they are two different values. Okay? When a person makes a statement, uh, when the Prophet makes a statement and tells us to do something, it's very difficult to deny it because it's a command. If the Prophet does an action, there's always the space there for us to consider whether this is something that he wants us to do, meaning he wants us to follow him, or is it just something that he himself is doing? 
Do you understand what I'm saying? It is yani, it's the option is there. The option is there. And so therefore, a statement is definitely going to indicate obligation. Whereas an action itself is not going to necessary, uh, necessarily indicate obligation. Which is why, which is why Sheikh said that it is mujarrad fi'l. Wal mujarrad fi'l la yidillu ala That just an action never indicates obligation. So even if we said that the hadith is authentic, the action itself does not necessarily, necessarily say that it's an obligation upon us. He was sick, he wanted to make wudu, okay, he wanted to do it. It's a good thing to do. But it doesn't mean that if I'm sick, I have to make wudu. And that's the second point. And the third point, he says that if we're going to use this hadith then we've, we, uh, and it's weak, then we can also oppose it with the hadith of our own, which is also weak. So they can use a hadith, which is weak. We'll use a hadith to oppose it, which is, by the way, also weak, which is what? That the Prophet ﷺ, he did hijama. We talked about in that in the class, right? Hijama meaning copying. He did copying and he prayed and he did not make wudu. He prayed and he did not make wudu. Now, why is this, why, why is this a, uh, an issue? Why would that be an evidence? Come. Yeah, when you cup, you bleed and in significant amounts. If you've done any cupping, remember I was telling you guys, it's not like little, some little scratch behavior. I mean, you make the scratches, right? Cupping, just so that everyone can, uh, just to remind everyone, hijama, cupping is the, uh, is the ancient pre-Islamic art of getting rid of toxins from the body uh, via the blood. Um, and it's a very developed art. We're able to uh, determine different conditions that require blood to be taken from different parts of the body it is specifically in my personal experience i've done it a number of times okay um, i've done it to others and i've had it done to myself a number of times uh, in my personal opinion it's two strength areas are memory and pain okay so for pain relief it seems to help a lot in my personal opinion um especially that back pain and other, that kind of pain um diffuse pain i mean all right and for memory for memory is is amazing now I have my own theory that it doesn't matter where it's done on the body, it's going to help the memory because whatever happens after, you feel lighter. You feel lighter. And when, you know, you know, you know, you know when you look at the normative state of a human being, when they are sleepy, tired, lazy, whatever, then everything then starts to shut, shut down. So you start to slow down, you don't want to think, you don't want to, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that, if, if, you would never say that, a lazy person or a tired person can't remember as well as that, doesn't have good memory. You won't say that. But what you would say is that a lazy person doesn't want to think so much, doesn't want to stress his brain so much. So the converse is, if a person's feeling fresh, energetic, light, then to actually think would be a lot easier, to reflect and to you know, think of something. And so one thing that happens when you have hijama, especially done on your head, is that you like, you know, you know it's like weight's been taken off. Because you've had like, you know, blood sucked out. And you feel a little bit dizzy, you feel lightheaded, you stand up, you kind of go, and then you realize that actual kind of blood has come out. Just like when you give blood, a lot of blood, you feel lightheaded. And that kind of thing almost makes you feel like I'm more energetic and more kind of, I can think better. So certainly, when I've ever had it on my neck or on my head, it has had that impact. What actually happens, as we said before, um, you get a very, very sharp scalpel, they have a blade, and they will make a number of incisions in the skin, you know, like, you know, very tiny ones, like a hundred or whatever, da, 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 very quickly. And then they will apply a little cup to it. And that cup is normally linked by a suction system. Okay. If you're doing a proper Chinese style and if you're doing it yeah, in a pack style, then you just get a teacup, you stick a, you get a little piece of paper. Okay. Tear a little piece of paper off, light the paper, throw the paper in. The paper will then start to burn in the cup. As it's burning, it will start to use the surrounding oxygen. Don't try this at home, kids. Okay. All right. This is proper pack style. Okay. And then just as it is about to burn out, the paper is still hot. You know, you're attached to the skin. So what happens is that if you can handle that little bit of burning sensation, because there's still paper at the bottom of the cup burning inside. So whilst you're holding the cup tight to your, your part, let's say it's there and you're holding it tight. Yeah. The inside the cup, the paper's burning. And as it finishes burning, it sucks the oxygen up because it needs the oxygen. So now you create a vacuum in the cup and the cup itself now has no oxygen in there. And so it's desperately trying to bring oxygen in. And so what will happen is that it will suddenly stick to your, your, your arm like a, like, a, like a leech and you will see your skin just go straight into the cup. It will just like fill the cup, suck it like that. And then obviously what happens, those little nicks, 
which are only very tiny holes, but because it's now the sucking, all the blood starts coming out, and it's all black and congealed, and it's dirty and whatever. And it's right buzz when you see it. All right, so you take it off, pull it out. It's a big bowl of like you know, looks like a looks like a like a kidney or like a yeah, like a kidney. When you when you when you got it in there, it's like a big blob. Throw it out, stick it back on again, do the whole thing again, and it. Uh, oh, you got it set. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Yeah, this is a. How about that? Look at that. See that? Uh, let me try and show you that. Now, then I'll pass it around. This is a. This is a typical pack set. Yeah, and he bought it just for the for the for the furniture. He never opened it. He never used it. We can open it. <laughs> no, I don't want you to open it. I just want. I just. I just want to prove that you guys haven't used it. That's all. Who uses it? Who uses it? That's what I want to know. Does it work? Is it, is, it, is it having good effect? So these are the cups. Look, you can see the cups there. And this is a proper one. This is a proper one. And it has the plunger. You see, this, this plunger there is what you actually yeah, actually pull out, the, the make, it, make it suck even more. It's very good. But I like my pack version, to be honest. Burn a piece of paper because... This is a Saudi one, yeah? I can tell you 100% is made in China. Okay, right now, one second, just wait. There you go. <laughs> made in China. You can't read the Chinese. Excellent. So, hijama, of course, is good, and we'll talk about hijama in another session. It's a sunnah to do. Uh, the Prophet himself used to do it, and also there are set days and times of the month which it is preferred, and so that's something, as I said, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Anyway, the Prophet did hijama, significant blood comes out, and he doesn't make wudu. He doesn't make wudu, which proves, even though the hadith is weak, it proves that you don't necessarily have to make wudu when a large something comes out. Now, now, you remember that we uh, gave the example of Sayyidina Umar as well. Sayyidina Umar bin al-Khattab, okay. Um, did I give the example or not? I mean, obviously, when he was assassinated, radiallahu an, he was praying Salatul Fajr. He was still in first raka'ah. And uh, when he got stabbed, I mean, he got very, he didn't get stabbed, he got ripped to shreds. You know, the Majusi, the, 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 this, this is criminal, this murderer, his, 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 his dagger was double-sided. It was like, you know, you hold it in the middle and it's like, like this, like that. Very, very sharp. And he was just like going left, right, left, right. And he was taking people out, left, right. And he shredded Sayyidina Umar's intestines completely. Right? Because, uh, because in the hadith that we see, when he was trying to be treated, every, the more medicine or everything was just coming, pouring out of his stomach, out of his intestines. So obviously he died of that later, but I'm saying the amount of blood loss was huge. So that's one thing. But then what do we know? We know that he completed the prayer. Okay? We know that he put Abdurrahman ibn Auf, radiallahu anh, who was behind him, he put him forward. He then quickly did, you know, two rakah, a quick one, all right? And Sayyidina Umar finished the prayer with them. And so some of the scholars said this as an example. They said that this is proof that he himself used to con consider that a loss of uh, substance, whatever, from the body, in this case, blood, does not break the wudu. So it's like another side argument. Anyway, I hope that that's all clear. Uh, Sheikh Uthameen is very clearly himself. Himself, he follows the second opinion. He only considers really that which is uh, only feces and, and uh, urine to break the wudu. Anything else coming from anywhere else doesn't break the wudu. Everyone, everyone happy with that? Yep, yep. Correct, like wind, anything else does not, will not break the, will not break the, we're not talking about the, the we're not talking about the front patches and back, back passage. We're talking other parts of the body. The only place, I, 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 I said that there's verbal diarrhea. I have never heard of someone verbal passing wind, although that might be possible. What? No, I don't know, bro. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, I don't know, bro. There's a verb, yeah. That's 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 and that's a verb. But I never heard no yeah, no one passed the wind through his mouth, bro. That bar be messed up, man. <laughs> so we, we we said last week that, that wind, for example, coming out of an ostomy, wind coming out of an ostomy, right? If it happens, you know, the scholars differed over that as well. And our tall position of the class is that even wind coming out of an ostomy would not break the although you can see why they said it. They said that basically if you consider the feces coming out, then why wouldn't you consider the, the air coming out? But we said that the text don't suggest that. So, so our position is is that look, it's, we can summarize all of the all of today's lesson and, and yesterday's uh, last week's lesson like this: anything which comes out of the front and the back uh, feces which comes out of the, the the front and the back passage, whatever they break the wudu, that's standard passing wind, blah blah blah. If feces or urine are to come out of any other part of the body, 
that would also still break your wudu. Anything else that comes out from any other part of the body does not break wudu. That's like the kind of like conclusion. Yeah, go. On. Uh, so, what if someone's wearing a um, foley catheter and they constantly drain urine? Are they like in constant? Okay, so someone who's wearing a foley catheter, which is what, which is basically, um, uh, uh, just so that everybody knows what a foley catheter is. A Foley catheter is basically a, a urinary device which is connected to the, the urethra, okay, and it's allowing a person basically to constantly pass water, okay, pass urine. So this is this is this is normal breaking of wudu, but because this person is incontinent, we have a different ruling for that person. And that article, as I said, is you can find it up there, whatever. But basically, in conclusion of that article, it's very simple: a person who has uh, incontinence. I, I'll say it now so that you. No, but you read it later properly well, because people are asking about this a lot. Let me give you the ruling. The majority of the scholars, the, in fact, Imam, Imam Shafi'i, Imam Ahmed, Abu Hanifa, the majority of scholars, old and new, their opinion is a very simple one. Um, of course, passing uh, 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 feces and urine breaks the wudu. But a person, because they're incontinent, they've got yani, a difficulty. And we need to help them out, otherwise they'd have to be making wudu every second. Because it's going out every second, so they'd have to make wudu every second, which is not possible. Therefore, they all said what? They said that at the beginning of every prayer time, you will make wudu once, and then you forget about what's happening with the rest of your body. You ignore it. And so therefore, after once you've made wudu, for example, at 12 o'clock, and uh, sorry guys, we were delayed because we were praying duhr, because it's duhr time here, yeah? okay? So once you've actually prayed... Um, once at, for example, 12 o'clock until 2 is Dhuhr time. So at 12 o'clock you make your wudu, and then you start praying your sunnah, reading your Qur'an, doing your ibadah, everything and anything that you want to do to be able to you know, worship that you need wudu for, your first wudu is covered that time period. It doesn't matter what's happening with the rest of the body. Then at the beginning of Asr time, you would then again make wudu, and you use that period of time for your ibadah. Then you do it again for Maghrib and so on. And you would make this wudu regardless of what's happening in your body. That's the position of the majority of scholars. I wrote a paper, a detailed paper, proving opinion, an opinion which is different to this, and it's the opinion, uh, a little bit of Ibn Taymiyyah, but it's the position of Imam Malik himself. And this is a position that I hold, and I strongly believe in. And that is, and, and as I said, you can find it, and you can search for it and find it yourself. In fact, you'll find it in the resources right now. Um, that is this, that incontinence does not break wudu. Incontinence, is a irregular state of the body which um, cannot be accounted for and it is not like the it's not like the voluntary willful act of defecation and urinate and urinate and urination 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 yes urination yes it's because because urination is a is an intention i'm going to go to the toilet and i'm going to urinate i'm going to go to the toilet defecate i'm going to break my wudu it's an intention right and a process then happens. So there's an intention, a will, a control, and then you do the act. And after that, because it's a willful act, you can control when to do it, when not to do it. You would determine when you break your wudu or not. After that, we, may, we want you to make wudu. We want you to purify yourself, clean your private parts, wash your, do your ablution. Here, you are not in control. You, it's like it's happening to your body constantly. It's like what we call irregular vaginal bleeding. Okay, Vaginal bleeding is of the exact same type. It is not the period, it's not the menses, it's not something else. It is just some kind of reason why there's a constant flow of blood. And that is, is something which we can't control. Now the scholars, likewise, they gave the same ruling for that. Those majority, they said the same thing. They said that this person has to make wudu for every single wudu prayer. In my position, I treat that, that, that situation just like the incontinent person. This is blood which is continuing. You will make your wudu once, and that's it. Now... You will not, and therefore you will not need to make wudu again, except when. Yeah. Correct. When you willfully, when you yourself want to, for whatever reason, want to go and do something. Now, it might be that, you know, a person turns around and says, well, hold on. The one who's incontinent can't actually willfully defecate because they're constantly defecating. Does that make sense? Uh, or they can't urinate because they're constantly urinating. Um, and I think that is the case. I, I, I would need to check that with doctors, but I think that is the case. I can't have a willful situation. So we'll say that's fine then. 
the wudu will not be broken ever then by your your um, defecation and urination. But it will be when you go to sleep, for example. So if you now say, right, I'm going to go to bed now, yeah? So you've chosen to go to, to sleep. And so therefore, because of that choice, or for example, marital relations, for example, you choose that. So those are the kind of things that would break the wudu anyway. So when you now go and choose to do that, then you will break the wudu. You need to make an wudu again or ghusl again. So that is the, that's our position. That's my taught position. And it will come later on. But you, for those people who are asking for it now, it's something which, which you can use now. Okay, then. Now let's finish off this other part, uh, inshallah. What's the translation? So another of the invalidators of wudu, the final key big invalidator for our beginning uh, notes and list, is the losing of consciousness. Yep. Losing consciousness. Except for a slight amount of sleep. While sitting or standing. Uh, yeah, and that's the condition. While sitting or standing, yeah, we're going to allow, basically to translate translate that is saying, if you lose consciousness, you've lost your wudu. But hey, a little bit of sleep whilst you're sitting or standing, we're going to let that go. That's not going to break wudu. And this is very interesting. Okay, let me repeat that again. The Hanbalis are saying that if you lose your, you, you lose your, not lose your mind, you, what's, what's the word? Yeah, lose your consciousness, yeah? Like, you know, you, you just, and I'll give some examples. So actually, we'll, we'll, we'll do that now. Let's, 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 let's do that now. This is the third, Sheikh says, this is the third of the, uh, of the, of the invalidators of Wudu. Um, and, and he says the, 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 the losing of one's consciousness. consciousness. He said there's two types of losing of consciousness. Two types, two categories. The first type is bilkulia, meaning completely lose your mind. Completely lose your mind. And he says that's literally you losing your mind, literally, and that's becoming crazy. Now, the one who is crazy, he has no ability to think or anything like that. That's a whole different category. We're not talking about that, okay? So this is what we call al-junun. The second one, he says, is when the mind has been suppressed, has been covered, okay? Has been closed down. Has been closed down for a, for a reason, okay? For a specific reason, such as A, sleep, okay? B, fainting, all right? Three, intoxication, being drunk. All right. So a person, yani, he drinks so much and basically just, you know, goes and he's out. That's different from the, sec the, 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 the second one, which is fainting, which you see something shocking, out you go. And the first one is sleep, which is proper, proper sleep. All right. These are, uh, these are the three examples and you've got many others as well. A diabetic coma, for example, a car crash, for example, uh, a, a brain injury, for example, a big shock to the brain, being knocked out, for example, which is a slam of the brain against the side. And that's an instant kind of, you know, these are very specific reasons for a specific period of time. These are the second type of losing consciousness. Uh, consciousness. Um, um, and Sheikh says that we need to also then understand everything that we just said in a different way as well. He goes that if we lose our, if we lose, if we lose consciousness by becoming crazy, or by by losing our minds, for example, like completely, or fainting, or drunkenness, etc., then this is basically like the complete loss of your mind. Like, like you can't divide this into little or a lot. You can't be little, little drunk or maximum drunk. When you're drunk, you're drunk. Yeah, you're you're gone. You're not in control of your mind. You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you you know what other people are. Whatever. If you become crazy medically, then you become crazy medically. If you faint, it's not half faint or not faint. You fainted. So that's why Sheikh saying you don't find the books of fiqh. They say small amount, large amount. No, all of that. If it happens, it's, it's gone. You faint, you've lost your wudu. We don't make a measure now. But for sleep, Sheikh says, okay, uh, it's different. Okay, it's different for sleep. So we now come to that point now. Okay, so now we can talk about sleep. The scholars differed over sleep. They said sleep. Does sleep itself intrinsically break your wudu? Or, A, that's the first opinion, or B, is it that when you're asleep, something happens which breaks your wudu? Is the place where wudu is broken? By that, they're all, whenever you hear this statement, whenever you hear this phrase, they're talking about passing wind. All right? They're talking about passing wind. They said to me, Yanni, that 
They said to me that, you know what, you have a big ego. Me, AE. I said, how can I possibly have a big ego when I spend half my bloody life talking about private parts and passing wind and the anus and the shrink the muscle and whatever? How can I possibly have an ego after that? There's nothing there, khalas, my best is done forever. And is it is gone, finished. No honor is left of respect. It's, it's gone. I'm a, main, I'm a man yani, who means nothing to anyone anymore. My whole life is all about talking about strength and muscles. But talk, this whole lesson, the rest of this lesson, is all about the strength and muscle. You didn't even know there was a strength and muscle. Okay? That muscle which holds your anus together, okay? The whole lesson is about that now. Can you believe that? And people say that I have an ego. How can I have an ego? Wallahi, yani, this is one of Bobby Jani. I know Bobby is watching there laughing his head off. Bob Jani thinks I have an ego, I'm arrogant. How can I be arrogant when I speak about Yani Shrinkta muscles? Right. So that's the point, all right? Sheikh is saying that you either think that going to sleep itself breaks wudu, or it's when you sleep something happens. Now, from the first position, okay, that that your um uh the first position is, as I said, that sleep breaks wudu. Whether small amount, whether large amount, it just breaks the wudu. Whatever way you go to sleep, however type of sleep you go to, it breaks wudu. Why? Because of the hadith of Safwan. Okay, the hadith of Safwan ibn Asad, which has already been mentioned before. If you look at that in Arabic, it says, وَقَدْ سَبَقْ يعني footnote number two. If you look at footnote number two, it says, go back to page 241. I will read to you from page 241. Safwan ibn Asad, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, أَمَرَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. He said that the Messenger of Allah he told us basically that the only time that we needed to uh, make wudu is 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 when we are that the only time that you break make wudu is if you defecate, if you urinate, or you sleep. So three things have been mentioned in this hadith. Defecation, urination, sleeping. Alright? And this hadith is hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed and Nasa'i, and it's the hadith inshallah which is authentic. So this is the first evidence why those people they, they, they said that all sleep, small amount, large amount, bang, it's covered in a hadith. How are you going to respond to it? So what is the response? What is the um, and, and and if you look at the hadith, they said they said that did the hadith say small amount of urine, large amount of urine? Did the hadith say small amount of def, uh, of feces? No. So why are you saying small amount of sleep, large amount of sleep? So that's their evidence. The second position, as we said, which is actually that sleep itself is not the problem. It's what might happen when you're sleeping. This, this is the position of, uh, uh, what we're going to come to is the position, it's, it's certainly our talk position. But the position here is based upon the hadith of Anas, Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Okay. Um, and what is this hadith? This is, anyone know this hadith? Anyone can guess what the evidence is going to be? Whoa, 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 I don't know where you're going to go. Whoa, that, that, that's my secret weapon. We're going to use that later. Okay? But that's not a hadith. That's an ather of a companion. Okay? All right? The hadith that I wanted to, I wanted to talk about is a hadith where the companions were waiting for the Prophet to come out to pray Isha. Now, the Prophet's habit was that he would delay Salatul Isha. He would delay it. And the companions would often get there early and they'd be waiting. And they'd be waiting so long that they would actually start to nod off. Literally nod off. The hadith says that That they would wait so long until this was happening. This is the, the, this is the actual... Um, uh, the word takhfiqa, yani, nodding. You know, they were basically going. You know, when you go. And, and, and in another narration, in another, in another narration, the uh, chins were actually at the, the chest. So they were like this. Okay? So it was actually attached to the chest so that there's no, 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 no nodding. So that's like a further stage, isn't it? When you're nodding, you're still kind of around. But now we've got to the stage where it's like here. Maybe, maybe some, maybe, you know, uh, people can't immediately uh, hear something, see something. So, this hadith, okay, has been narrated by Muslim. So, it's more authentic than the previous hadith. So, now we have these two kind of possible hadith, which are now in opposition with one another. So, how do we do that? Well, okay. So, the first position is what? What's the first position? Al-Qawl al-Awwal. Sleep breaks wudu completely. Whatever happens. Small amount, large amount, breaks it. What's the second position? 
Yeah, the second position is that sleep itself does not absolutely break wudu. That sleep does not absolutely break wudu. That's the that's the technical definition for the second position. Sleep does not absolutely break wudu. The third position, the third position, uh, the third statement, and this is the position of the Hanbali school. This is the position of the Hanbali school. Is that no? Okay. Uh, so basically what he's saying he said that sleep itself doesn't break sleep itself is not a ritual wudu breaker it's not hadith what does hadith mean? ritual impurity hadith is ritual impurity it's not something which breaks the wudu itself okay sleep but definitely it is the place where if something happens then that will then break the wudu if something happens there, that will then break the wudu. Okay? And that's why the, 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 the author says, except if you are sleeping a very little while standing or sitting. Which shows that basically, basically, if he's allow if the madhab is allowing a person to get away with a little bit of sleep and a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of sleep uh, while sitting or standing, then they're basically saying that, well, a little bit is going to be obviously enough for you to recognize that something's going to happen. So that's the kind of, they're, they're playing their cards cautiously. The fourth statement, okay, the fourth statement, which is our class position as well, and it's the position of Sheikh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, and also the position of Sheikh Al-Thameen, is that sleep is the place where, where the uh, uh, possibility lies of the wudu being broken. Sleep is the place where the possibility lies of wudu being broken if a person was to fall asleep and he is able okay okay so basically if a person is sleeping and they are in a sleep where they are able to tell that they have broken their wudu, i.e. past wind, in their sleep, then that is the that's the that's the that's the moment where they know that the 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 uh, uh, the wudu is not broken. Basically, if the person is in in that sleep and they are able to know that his wudu is broken, then the wudu is broken. Does that make even sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that I don't know if that came out right or not. Um, let me translate it literally. He says that if a person was sleeping to the level that he, if he knew that his wudu is going to break and he's able to be aware of that, then his wudu is as it is because he knows and it hasn't happened. So he's actually quite comfortable and happy with that. And likewise, yeah, I need the, the alternative. If he knows, uh, if he knows that he falls asleep and what happens? that he breaks his wudu, but he wouldn't be able to recognize it, then his wudu is broken because actually the, 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 the sleep is too much. The sleep is too much. Does that make sense? The sleep has now gone too far because he can't even tell. So basically this, this last opinion is, is basically saying, how asleep are you when you think you're asleep? When you're asleep, can you hear voices? When you're asleep, can you, are you able to know that something's happening? Okay, you're not understanding everything that's being said. You're not whatever, but... It's not like it's gone completely. It's not gone totally. You're just generally aware. For example, if, if someone was to speak to you, would you wake up? If someone were to speak to you and you'd wake up, that shows that you're not properly asleep. Because if you're asleep, then you can't then. And, and we're not talking about someone shouting in your ear. We're talking if someone speaks, then you wake up. That means that you're kind of half there, half gone. All right? Now, this position is, as Sheikh Uthameen says, it combines all of the evidences together. Okay? All of the hadith, then, they, they, they work. Because in the hadith, the original hadith, which was the one of Safwan, that hadith of sleep is referring to a lot of sleep. That's what the hadith means, a lot of sleep. Whereas the hadith of Anas now makes complete sense. That they were obviously not asleep at all. They were just nodding. And it was like, you know, here, there, here, there. Nothing very, very serious. All right. And also we know that there are a number of uh, evidences from the from the companions, from the companions that they used to uh, do this action, not off to sleep, and as uh, uh, the narration, which is a very funny narration, okay, and this hap has happened from many of the companions, 
that sometimes they would fall asleep in the presence of their, of their, of their other companions while sitting. And then they would wake up from whatever the level of sleep that was, that was there. And then they would actually ask, did you hear anything? Did you smell anything? <laughs> and so if they would said, no, you didn't do anything, bro. Yeah, you're okay. You didn't pass no wind. You didn't make no sounds. Then I'm, I'm good to go. And of course, one of the companions, he, he asked, he got a positive, he added, everything's cool, and he prayed his two rakah immediately. He didn't go make wudu. And so this shows that actually that the approach to, uh, this actually supports the third and the fourth opinion. It shows that actually it's all about what happens there. You see, if you think about it, if you remember the original hadith, what may obligates a person to make wudu, uh, the Prophet said that when a person wakes up, he should make wudu and he should wash his hands three times. Why? Yeah, he does not know where his right hand spent the night. Okay, what does that basically mean? It means that when a person goes to sleep, sleep, I mean like nighttime sleep, right? Not daytime nap where he's just lying on top of something or whatever, just like lounging. But we're talking about proper sleep, gets into the duvet, whatever, whatnot, and he loses his mind completely. Then, of course, doesn't know what his hands are doing, doesn't know what his arms are doing. He's not wearing his clothes or wearing clothes, depends on how he sleeps. And you can be touching his private parts, etc., 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 because that sleep is so strong, the sleep is so heavy, and so therefore it's clear then from that hadith, which is indicating that it's about what happens during sleep, which is the bigger problem. And also, I'll tell you something else. There's a hadith. <laughs> this is Yani. You know, I'm trying to work out how to translate this hadith. Yani, the Prophet he said that the eye is the I'm, I'm, giving a, I'm giving a literal translation to this hadith. The eye is the drawstring of the anus. Okay? <laughs> so if the two sleep, if the two eyes go to sleep, uh, if the two eyes go to sleep, then the drawstring is loosened. Okay? So, what's, what, what, yani, forget the literal, this hadith, by the way, is narrated by Imam Ahmed uh, uh, and Imam Tabrani, and a number of scholars consider this hadith to be weak. A number of scholars consider this hadith to be weak, and actually, for the students of hadith, this is a great hadith, because it has a baqiyya in it, one of, the, one of the narrators, and this baqiyya is a very strong narrator, a very strong narrator in hadith, except that he does a practice which we covered before called tadlis. Okay, and we said that tadlis is a, is a is a is an indication that there's some weakness that's been covered. It's a hidden fault. It comes under the categories of ilal, hidden faults of a hadith. Okay, and so uh, a person who does tadlis is already in the problem. Now, what is our rule with respect to the modellis, the one who does tadlis? We said that if when a person does tadlis, when a person is trying to hide who he took the hadith from, he will say what he said an so and so on the on the authority of so and so. Uh, he's kind of like relegating the responsibility to someone else on the authority of so-and-so on the authority of so-and-so whereas it's because he knows that he doesn't want to say I heard him tell me because that would be a lie okay because he didn't hear and so when a person who's a modernist who has this yani mistake when he himself has heard the hadith and he says hadathani aw qala he said to me or he narrated to me da 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 then that is a very definitive way of narrating a hadith and that for that cancels out the weakness of that person as a modellist. And that's why a number of the scholars said that the statement that this hadith is weak is not true. Because Baqiya, he, he made it very clear that he heard this hadith and this hadith is authentic. What's the hadith trying to say? The shrinkta muscle, which is the muscle which keeps the your anus closed, okay, is a certain muscle which has obviously an internal reality and an external reality. Internal, your mind. If you said, I don't want to pass wind, you can control it, okay? And you have, uh, you're in control. But there are certain physical things, for example, okay, that you might do. Okay, how on earth does someone teach this with a straight face? I've got no idea, but I'm going to give it a shot, okay, right? There are certain physical realities of the body that if the body is in a very relaxed state, then obviously the shrinkta muscle is also either relaxed or not. For example, sitting as we are sitting now, you're giving a very little opportunity for the passing of wind. Because hard surface, cross legs, and your yani is difficult. It's difficult. Just don't ask me to go in details. But it's just difficult, okay? Person is lying down, lying down on soft surface than every possibility in the world. 
no surface behind, for example, the buttocks and the strength of the muscle is relaxed, then there's a much greater chance. That's a physical reality. That's the physical impact upon that. Add now the fact that you might go to sleep. If you go to sleep, then you're not even concentrating so much. The body starts to relax, blah, blah, blah. You're obviously, once you're sleeping, you're not thinking so much about where your body is. You might lean back. You might this, you might do that, whatever. There's a greater chance of you passing wind. And that, will, of course, breaks the wobble. So that's the issue, what's going on. That's what the hadith is trying to explain. Um, so that's the point. Anyway, anyway. Uh, what else can we say? Uh, so he, Sheikh is also saying, it's also interesting to note that according to the madhab, according to the madhab, that a person, a person, this person is saying that if a person is not sitting down or, sleep, or standing and he goes to sleep, he breaks the wudu. Because the hadith, because the text says, except for a small amount of sleep when you are sitting or standing. Meaning that if you are lying down, you're disqualified, even a small amount of sleep. If you lie down and you fall asleep, you're gone. Okay, according to the madhab, according to madhab. Now, question, what very common situation do people fall into that therefore means, according to the Hanbalis, that you will now lose your wudu? Which common situation? Think about it. Oh, this is a lean box because it's great to lean on. This here, you can pack, not the thingy. Don't want to break, that's all. What do you think? Is no. Think about Muslims, man. <laughs> You're such a dreamer. <laughs> yes. No, 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 no. This happens only to the big people of Ibadah. No. No, daydreaming. Big, this happens to the big people of Ibadah. She goes daydreaming. <laughs> what a classic custom. What a shot. <laughs> what a shot. Daydreaming. That's the best to do. The answer is Sajda. Falling asleep in Sajda. Okay? That's what I said. Big people of Ibadah. If you're praying a long, long time, then that happens. Yeah? Or if you just lazy pack, then you just fall asleep anyway. Yeah? So according to the Hanbalis, if you were into your sajda, okay, you're not sitting, you're not standing, okay? And so if you fall asleep in sajda, your wudu is broken. So the prayer is over right there and then. You wake up, prayer is gone. That's according to the madhab. Now that's very interesting. Okay, that puts us in the scenario because, um, well, they've, they've specified. So what's our position? Our position is actually that no, it doesn't matter where you are. We don't believe there's any evidence to suggest that it's only sitting or standing. We believe that it's about knowing what happens when you go to sleep. Whether you lie down, whether you're in sajda, whether you're in this, whether you're in that. If you fall asleep and it's only a little in sajda, then you're okay. If you fall asleep even while lying down and it's only a little, and you are able to make sure that you are aware. For example, let me give you an example. We know that the Prophet ﷺ, it is narrated in, in, in Bukhari, that he would pray two rak'ah and he would lie down. He would lie down. Now we do not know, okay, that... Uh, in that particular incident, uh, that he would actually go to sleep. But he would lie down straight after two rak'ah, and then he would then jump straight up, and he would go and lead the two fajr prayer rak'ah, two rak'ah fajr in the masjid. There's another hadith which is authentic, that the Prophet ﷺ, he lay down, and they could hear his uh, yani, ghatit, yani his snoring. Slight, slight snoring, and then, and then he stood up and he prayed. Which is an evidence to show it's not about the sound, it's not about the this, it's about whether a person is so far gone that they do not know what's, what's wrong with themselves, or what's good about themselves, aware of themselves. Do you understand what I mean? So by that, I mean this. A person who's nodding, 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 or even if their chin is stuck and they're gone, if you know that the slightest touch, or I, if a person who speaks to me, I can wake up, right? Then it doesn't matter, I've not broken my wudu. And even if I start snoring, that happens all the time. Yeah, you go to Jumu'ah Khutbah, how many people are there snoring awake? Yeah? I myself am a major snorer in Jumu'ah Khutbah. People, you know, I'm always, I tell the guy next to me, bro, you hear the snoring, just give me a, you know, quick elbow, right? I'm, I'll go. That's all you hear, isn't it? You'll hear the first, and then the person will then just go, hey, and then, khalas, job done. 
so it doesn't matter if you hear the snoring, and that's narrated from the Prophet. Okay? So that's not, yani, something which will happen. And so the point here is what? It's a little amount of sleep. You might say, what is a little? What's a large? How are we determining it? It's culture which determines it. Your custom, your people, what the people know is a small amount or a large amount. What is that? Like I told you, it's your ability of awareness. If you've gone, gone, a large amount of sleep means you can't tell anything. But a small amount means that, yes, someone was to come, I'd, I'd work it out. Someone was to walk into the room. You know, you see these people, they're asleep. You hear the sound, you walk into the room without making any sound, and your eyes open. That's it. That's the one. That is the classic sleep which does not break wudu. That's a person who, if he were to, yani, you know, do some behavior, okay, do that, yani, okay, they would know. They would know. And so, therefore, we would assume that they haven't. And therefore, there, the harder remains. So, uh, and Sheikh then ends that section, and he goes, therefore, if a man went into sleep, for small, small, slight sleep in his uh, 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 sajda and so on, then we would not, we would, uh, the Hanbalis would say his wudu is broken. We would say no, unless he has gone to sleep so much that it's, yani, you know, he doesn't know. And he just makes one point. He says, the Hanbali madhab, they said, a person who is seated, they do not break their wudu. Yes? We said that, isn't it? And he goes to sleep for a little. But even they made some exceptions. The exceptions that they made, is exceptions to certain types of seating and certain types of standing. What are those exceptions? We close on this. What is the exception that they said? Ah, if he does this, then his wudu is broken. Ah, if he sits like this, then his wudu is broken. Think about what I said earlier on about cross-legged and everything. Correct. So therefore, any other option is when you are leaning, if you lean on something, Lean on a, on a thing, all right? Then you've created that little bit of uh, an angle down below. And khalas. That's it. You fall asleep, they said your wudu is broken. They said if you go down, mutakya'ani, you know, what's, what's that position called? Let me do that. What's that called? When you do that, what's that called? Just like lying down, leaning on your arm? Yeah. Leaning on your elbow? That breaks wudu. They said if you are standing... And then you stood against the wall, leaning on the wall. You've got a weight, basically. The whole idea is the weight. When you're standing, you're in control. It's very difficult, right? If you are just standing straight. If you were to, for example, to lean back and then you've got a surface and your body's relaxed and your whole body is now all, you know, relaxed. All the weight is on your shoulder, on your arm, whatever. Then your, 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 your shrinks the muscle, basically, could let go. Yeah? I hope it's called shrinks the muscle. I didn't even check. I just remember that from the GCSE biology. I think it's shrinks the muscle. Some yeah, in German class anyway. Yeah. So anyway, so you understand? So they even they say that that will break the uh, Whereas we say it doesn't matter where you're leaning, whether you're standing, whether you're this, whether you're that. As long as you're aware of yourself that you haven't fallen asleep to that level that you don't know what's going on, your wudu is still there. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the complete page one of the notes, official notes. Um, I was going to in this lesson cover the exam. But I think I'm going to maybe delay that for maybe one or two weeks, maybe two weeks, for the students of year one and year two. Is it sphincter? Sphincter. And I've been saying, I didn't say shrinkter. Behave yourself, man. I said shrinkter. I said I said shrinkter. I'm saying I've been saying shrinkter, and you're saying it's sphincter. And I have a feeling it is sphincter, by the way. Okay. But it sounds like you're saying shrink. Shrink. No, no. No, 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 it's not British pronunciation. I think I got it wrong. I think it is, I think it is sphincter. Sphincter. Sphincter, yeah? And I've been saying shrinkter, yeah? I don't know what the heck that, I don't know. I just, you know. It's been a long time, yeah? I haven't seen that word. I've got still some little is that left. So that's the, that's the class done. So what we're, <laughs> biology. So, what's the song? Don't know much about biology. Yeah. Don't know much about history, sorry. Don't know much about history. Something, something, and biology, blah, blah, blah. Something like that, isn't it? I don't know. It's one of the old classic 60s, 70s. Anyway, class, I think we're done. All right, we've, we've, uh, we've finished with the class. What we'll do is we'll take some lessons. Shaz, are you but you're there? You can come online and show me some of the questions from the uh, folks online, and then we'll do the questions here as well. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do the questions, and Shaz will work it out. Shaz is not going to tell us the bad way that we've never heard any lesson at all by anyone. Although, although, mashallah, it's good to see the long-suffering Naveed and, uh, and Zafar right there and a couple of lads at the back there. Give me a shout. Who's that man behind you? Mashallah. Salams to him there. 
and uh, some lads there. I can't work out too far away, but Zakmullah khair. Always good to see my lads there. The Chidu Massive. MashaAllah. So, Shaz, get those questions together. And Bob's Zani um, as well. Let him do that as well. And we'll do the questions here. Anyone got any questions here? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so the brother asked the question, he goes, the, 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 the narration that you're talking about, about the companions passing wind, uh, 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 waking up and asking, first of all, let me just make it very clear, that this is an independent individual opinion of a companion or two, which has been narrated in, not the books of Hadith, well, the books of Athar, meaning narrations from the companions. And this one particularly has been collected in what's known as the collection called the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shaiba. And it is authentic. This narration is correct and authentic. That he, I can't even laugh me to remember who it was, whether it was Ibn Abbas or whether it was uh, Ibn Umar. I can't remember now. But it's there. We, I, I quoted it. I haven't got my, my, my resource with me, I, my copies at home. Uh, and when he woke up and he said that, this was his own personal ishtihad. And of course, you need to remember that in, when, we, when we're doing fiqh, the personal opinion of a companion is nothing but just a slight indication to what is right and wrong. It can never be used as an evidence by itself. We only consider the consensus of all the companions to be strong enough to be an actual legal evidence, not a single statement, because we all differ in our opinions, our perception, this, that. But that is what he was referring to. When he said, when he woke up and he said, did you smell anything? Did you hear anything? He's talking about wind. Because, oh, I mean, you know, yeah. Not the storm. Not the storm. This is a really good point, okay? It's a really good question. Actually, someone asked it last week. They said that what's the evidence that it wasn't the snoring? Because that could be the, the thing that they're asking. Did you hear me snoring or not? So I, I responded to this last week. I think I said that, number one, even if it was snoring, how would it change the ruling? Right? If it was snoring or not, the point is, is that he fell asleep and it wasn't obviously enough for him to consider that he has to make wudu again. Whether you, whether you understand it of snoring or, or passing wind, it doesn't matter. And the second uh, evidence is, is that there are um, more explicit narrations which mention that it was the wind which has been referred to in other collections. But it's a good question, that. It is a good question. Yes? The third position you said that it was a Hamid school position. It said, Yes. So, how, so you're saying Muzanat Hadith meaning that, that you think that something may have happened? It's, no. It is the place where where if you although it's broken it will happen during that that time but so, so to the fourth position is what that the possibility is broken that that uh, that's uh, yeah where the possibility lies of the wudu being broken but it of it in of itself the actual uh, uh, breaking is only established by the loss of control of the person, meaning that they sleep so much that they can't, they're not aware of themselves anymore, or they sleep so little or so light that they're fully in control. So it is the place where it will happen, but as long as they themselves are in control, it can be a huge amount of sleep compared to the others, a deep and a long sleep, quote-unquote, sleep, but if they know what's going on with themselves, they are in control, they know what's going on with themselves, it won't break the model. So the determining factor is one's level of awareness. Correct. One's level of awareness is the, is the differentiating factor between three and four. And yes, you are right. Actually, three of these positions are actually very close to each other. Yeah, and you either got one on one side, which is that the sleep is what breaks it, little or large doesn't matter. And the other side is basically, no, sleep doesn't break it, it's what happens. They can all basically be grouped into that. And then the differentiating factor between the three of them is minimal. Yes, Shaz. Okay. Yes, no questions in the masjid. Okay. What about online, Shaz? On your right-hand chat. Huh? On your chat page. In your box. Chat page. In the chat window on the right side of your hangout. <laughs> I love the way that you think that I can see a chat window and a hangout. I'm speaking to a phone, Shaz. That's it. Then there's no questions this week. Jazakallah khair. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Haram, Shaz, man. All the people, yani, they come on and whatever, whatnot, and you're going to kick them off. That's your okay. fault for doing it on an iPhone when we told you to saw your laptop out yesterday. Oh, my days. Did you just go there? Did Shazad just go there? Everybody, Did Shazad just went there? Oh, my. This week, 
for not being able to answer questions because he didn't have his laptop ready and installed his camera driver as we told him yesterday and last night. He's like, Allah khair. And that's why we're Are you hungry? Do you just want a chicken burger? Do you just want to go home? Is that what it is? <laughs> Don't worry, we'll leave one for you as well today. We've got one question. Oh, you got no, no, he's still there. Yeah. Oh, um, what's that behind you? I'm not telling you. I'll tell you something, uh, Naveed. I've seen some interesting things in this place I'm going to talk to you about. There's a jadu box. There's a jadu box. I can't tell you my location. It's a secret location, this is. It's a secret location. I'm telling you, man. This ain't no public location, bro. I'm in a secret location with the, some NASA speeds, man. NASA download, upload. Yeah, do you tell me where on earth could I broadcast a dars off a phone? Except that there's some crazy technology going down, bro. Huh? And I'm telling you, I wish I could show you. Okay, but it's not going to reach. I'm actually sitting next to a box called a jadu box. Don't take it out. Oh, no, no, just leave it. Oh, you do have as well. Okay, he has. Look at that. Look at that. Jadu. I'm telling you, man, we are living in a different age. Jadu box. I'm trying to hook this up. Look, it's an Ethernet. It's an Ethernet kind of behavior. Look at this. It's an Internet box which is hooked up with some kind of behavior that you get to all of Pakistan cricket and everything, man. It's amazing, Yara. Are you trying to blame that on, on that's why your camera didn't work, huh? Yeah, so I'm coming down to shout out you, you miserable old pack, yeah, and go and drag in your socks, yeah, you know? go, go leave us alone. Ladies, uh, make sure we, we sort this out. Okay then, boys. Jazakumullah khair. We're going to pray Asr here. Jazakumullah. Thank you for tuning in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.